I'm just going to try to really dive right into where we're going tonight because um, we've had such a beautiful opportunity to celebrate these seniors. But this series tonight's going to get really real for us in a hurry. Not that it didn't the first week we talked about can you relate to God? That's the whole relatable idea. Are you able to relate? So are you that person that can have successful and meaningful relationships? And the first week we talked about really is God able to relate to you? So you, can God speak your language? Does God understand your job? Does, does God kind of know what you're texting about? Does God, uh, can he get into the seams and the flow of where you are in life? And can he relate to that? Or is he some kind of distant cosmic reality that doesn't speak your language? And we talked about how when Jesus became flesh and blood, we know that Jesus could get right into any of our worlds and totally know what's up with our lives. Uh, last week, we talked about the, the question, are we able to relate to ourselves? That was an important question because you and I spend the most time on earth with ourselves. We go to bed with ourselves every night and we wake up with ourselves every morning. We listen to ourselves, talk to ourselves more than we listen to anybody else talk to us in life. And whatever you think about you is shaping right now who you are and how you relate to the world so how you relate to yourself is important. And that relationship with God is essential. The relationship with you is critical. But the two other most important relationships in your life are what? The relationship that you have with your mom and the relationship that you have with your dad. And these relationships are the formative relationships in our lives. You heard, the first voice you heard on earth was more than likely the voice of your mom when you were in your mother's womb, and you probably heard your dad's voice some. You may not have heard your dad's voice. He may not have been in that picture, but you probably heard your mom and dad's voice when you were born. The first person you saw uh, might have been a doctor, but the second person you saw, it could have been your dad. The third person you saw was your mom, and you may not have seen your mom since that moment, but you saw her that day. She was the first person you saw, and these two people were responsible for bringing you on to planet Earth. And so our ability to relate, how able we are to relate in the world, the kind of husband you're going to be, the kind of wife you're going to be, the kind of son or daughter that you are today, the kind of friend that you are, whether you're dateable or not, is a lot wrapped up in the relationship you have with your mom and dad. And we have all kinds of moms and dads. And I'm just going to mostly make it about dads, but I'm talking to a lot of young people these days. And it's also a lot about moms as well. So you can interchange whichever works for you tonight. But let's just think about dad for a minute. There's all kinds of dads. There are amazing dads. Who has an amazing dad in this room right now? Can we just celebrate that? That is an incredible thing. That's an empowering dad. A dad who absolutely wasn't flawless, but he just breathed encouragement into the sails of your life and made you believe you were invincible, that you could go out and take on the world, do more than you thought, rise higher than you ever dreamed, and you knew that if for some reason you failed, your dad was going to be right there at the bottom of it all, and before you hit rock bottom, you were going to hit dad, and he was going to say, hey, dad loves you, dad believes in you, dad's here for you. Love and hugs were free. They, they were passed out all the time. You got encouraged and built up. Not, not free skating life, but you got built up constantly by your dad. He wasn't stuck inside of himself like, you know, I love you, but I can't get the words out of my mouth. He actually told you that he loved you. He left you little notes. He's still what you would consider one of your best friends. He's, a, he's on the recents in your phone list and your phone right now. He's somebody that you can confide in and trust in. That's an empowering dad. And that's the way it was supposed to be. And even just saying that some of you are like, that's my dad. And if that's your dad, you need to go 
home, you could text him right now, uh, permission to text, not that you need that from me in the middle of one of my talks, but permission to, to text right now. Um, we have a monitoring system in here that monitors all the incoming and outcoming texts. It's amazing every week while I'm talking how much stuff's going on and the content of it, it blows my mind too. Um, but that's a, that's a whole nother thing that's a legal matter that I can't really get into right now. Um, but seriously, you should text your dad right now and just say, hey, one more time, you're, you're a stud. You're a hero to me. Because even when I say what an empowering dad does, a lot of people in here already are like, oh no, not now. Because you didn't get any wind in your sail. In fact, you got your sail ripped down off the mast. And even to this day, you're struggling with your sense of place in the world and a lot of it, a lot of it is rooted back into the kind of father or the kind of mother that formed you in the very first days of life when you were onboarding what is the world, how do you live in it, who am I, and what are my chances? And in those very formative years of life that you really can never fully undo on a human level, you weren't getting, I, I got you. You weren't getting, you can rise higher. You weren't getting, no matter what happens, you can count on me being right here behind you, under you, before you, in front of you. You can count on me. And you got a different kind of dad. Maybe you got the absent dad, uh, absent to death or divorce or to busyness or just absence to being focused on himself or absence because of some distance that was between you. Maybe you got the abusive dad that, that didn't help you, but he hurt you. And mentally or emotionally, verbally, physically, in some relational way, he just brought damage into your story. Maybe you got the performance-based dad. You remember that dad, right? And, uh, oh, of course I love you. As soon as you do good, I will love you. If you don't do good, I will not love you. Oh, you want a hug? Well, if you jump through the hoops, I will give you a hug. But if you don't jump through the hoops, you're not getting a hug. And so you have been conditioned over life to immediately figure out what the hoops are and which ones to jump through. And when you see that in a young person, a teenager like these guys right here, or you see that in a college student or a young adult, it's such a heartbreaking thing because they have a sixth sense of being able to walk into a room and play the room. And the reason they know how to play the room so well is they've been conditioned to jump through hoops for approval all the days of their lives. And they immediately walk into situations and go, oh, I know what I got to do to feel good, to get approved, to be a somebody and to be significant in this, because I've learned that in the conditioning of my formation from mom or dad all my life, that you get approval when you do a certain thing. And some of us got that kind of dad. Some of us have gotten, um, you know, all, all different kinds of dads. Some of us got the needy dad. And, you know, we heard even that story tonight. And thank you for sharing it. It, it makes all of us humble that you would even share a little bit of your journey and story with us. But some of us can relate to that. Some of you are like, I understand. I just want to give her a hug. I know that journey. I had to float my dad. Some of you are still floating your dad. Some of you are still floating your mom. You're still trying to keep them sane. You're still trying to hide the keys. You're still trying to somehow hold on to a family secret while, while in some way trying to reach out and get help for your family. You're 16 years old, 18 years old, 20 years old, and you're, you're somehow holding together the people that were put on earth by God to form and fashion you into a champion. And you're carrying that weight of championing them. 
And the reason why I think we're all in this boat is because the enemy knows God is a perfect father. He's a heavenly father. And if he knows God's a heavenly father, then he can crack up relationships with our earthly fathers. Then he has put us behind the eight ball at ever fully understanding who God is, how we relate to him, what he thinks about us and how we live in a relationship with him in the world. And so a lot of us are looking through a cracked glass, trying to understand a God who's telling us, I'm your father. And that relationship is a relationship that God has to do a revolution in for us to succeed in being able to relate in this world. And I just want to offer tonight that the gospel is powerful enough to reconcile us to God, which is a miracle, thank you very much, to reconcile us to ourselves where we can stop harming ourselves and stop hating ourselves and stop thinking more highly of ourselves and actually see ourselves like God sees us. The gospel is powerful enough to do that. And I wanna offer tonight that the gospel is powerful enough to bring healing into our relationships with our parents, no matter how jacked up they are. That the gospel of Jesus is powerful enough to bring impact into our relationships with our parents. And to get there tonight, a couple of big ideas. We're just going to touch on them. Number one big idea is you got to come to know Jesus. Because when you come to know Jesus, number one big idea, you get a new identity when you come to know Jesus. And your new identity when you come to know Jesus isn't that you're a Christian primarily. It isn't that you're a church member primarily. It isn't that you believe something primarily. It is that you become something primarily. Hello, when you, when you become a Christian, you become a Christian. You become something. Hello? I, I, I don't know. It's just me tonight, and it's been a, a long weekend, and I've already uh, preached twice today, and so this is three times around for me, and I'm about to blow up right now over that idea. I'm about to blow up over that idea, that when you become a believer in Christ, you become something. You don't just believe in something. And what do you become? You become a son you become a daughter. God set it all up in his divine beauty that the transaction of going from death to life is birthed all over again from within. The whole thing is predicated on a family construct where God Almighty becomes a father of a son and the father of a daughter who are born by faith in Jesus into a new relationship with him. Come on, this is crazy. And you're like, oh, I know that, I know that, that's great. We're all sons and daughters of God. That's wonderful, Louis. Thank you so much. That really is helping me tonight. No, that, 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 this is revolutionary. It is a rudder that can turn a barge in its direction. And if you are looking at me tonight going, don't even start talking about my dad. Don't even start talking about my mom. Don't even try to go there. You don't get it. I'm telling you, I might not get your specific situation, but I do get the power of Jesus who is raised up from the dead to break every curse the enemy's tried to put on our lives, including the curse of a broken relationship with our father, a broken relationship with our mother. And how does he start to do that? He starts to do that in the miracle called being born again. Jesus said, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you got to be born again, not believe something new. You do have to believe in Jesus. You have to put your faith in Jesus. But when you do that, you're born again. That's what the scripture says. John chapter one, it's pretty phenomenal. Whew, I'm excited. I might need to go run around the parking lot and come back, tone it down a step or two. Just come back down, be calm. 
It says in verse 10, John 1, he, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him. Man, that's a, that's a whole other sermon for another day, but if you wondered how the world got here, uh, can I help you see this again? Jesus is how the world got here. Not just God, Jesus is how the world got here. So he didn't just save us. Before that, he did some amazing things also, i.e., created the universe. That's how the world got here. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Jesus, I'm just gonna jump, dump the pronouns and get his proper name in here. The world did not recognize Jesus. Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive Jesus. Imagine that. Yet, some people did, to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but say it with me, but born of God. This is how the relationship unfolded. And then John, First uh, John 3 echoes this in another way. It says this in verse one, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. What kind of punctuation you got there? Anybody? Hello? What do you have there? Period, comma, ellipses, colon. What do you have there? Exclamation point. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit, when he inspired these human beings to write the scriptures of God, that he loved that exclamation point? So he was saying, how great is the love that God has lavished on us that we would be, that we would be called the children of God. Come on, put an exclamation point in there. This is big. And then he just amplifies a little bit more on the backside. And that is what we are, exclamation point. So what he's saying is our identity, if we have put our faith in Jesus, has changed. So I'm not just the son of Louis and Martha Jean Giglio, although I am the son of Louis and Martha Jean Giglio. And by virtue of that, I'm on a path in a whole lot of ways to be just like them. My sister Instagrammed last week on the 20th anniversary of my dad's death, a photograph that is terrible quality, but it's full of heart and emotion. And I was at home uh, late on the day of that anniversary and already at my house. And, and I saw the Instagram come up on my sister's Instagram account. And she posted this picture of my dad, which is pretty phenomenal. That's Louis Giglio right there on the right. Um, and that's Ainsley Yonker on the left. Pretty phenomenal. And I thought, man, that's, we, we call him Big Lou. And um, I was on, it was the end of the day, sitting on the sofa, I had my glasses on my head. <laughs> and I said to Shelly, did you see Gina's Instagram? And she went. <laughs> wow. <laughs> see, here's the thing. I, I can't not be the son of that guy. And I can't not be the, the son of Martha Jean. The full of spirit, crazy, all in one. Amazing. Amen. And so that's who I am. And in many, many ways, I'm 
predestined to be like them. And I love saying this with four rows of seniors in high school. They're like, <laughs> and I'm just like, back to you. you know, check back, you know, check back, check back in oh, 15 years. Send me a note in 30 years, and in 31 years from now, <laughs> you're gonna be going, oh wow, oh wow. You're gonna dress like her? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You're gonna be walking like him, talking like him, smacking your food like him, driving like him. You can be like him. You got genetic power inside you and you cannot rebuff it and you can't pull one of these, I don't receive it and I'm not gonna confess it. You, cannot, you, can't, can't, you can't pull that. You can't pull that. It, 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 you're not gonna be the only person who breaks free from the genetic undertow of being who you are, which is the son of these two people who brought you onto planet Earth. But that's not your only identity, because for some of you, you're like, that's great. I like him and I like her, and, and, and so I don't mind this identity. But for some of you, this identity is a troubling identity for you. And so this is the power of the gospel. It's not your only identity. You have another identity that is as real, if not more real. And that is when you put your faith in Jesus, you were born spiritually to God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. You are now by nature and by identity, a love daughter, a love son of a perfect heavenly father who just happens to be the king of the entire universe. And this is what first John was saying. That's who you are. The second big idea is that you don't have to be afraid of thinking about God as a father. A lot of people are like, man, I don't want that idea because when I think about father, I think about broken, I think about absent, I think about abusive, performance-based, needy. I think about a, a, a father I didn't even really know or a father I've been fighting against my whole life. And the picture, as we've said it many, many times, is that God's not just a bigger version of your earthly dad. He's not the reflection of your earthly dad. He's the perfection of your earthly dad. And everybody can imagine what that would be like. He's not just a bigger version of your dad. He's the version of your dad that you long for deep inside your heart. And come on, it doesn't matter if you're my age or if you're 14, all of us have got this huge gravitational pull in our hearts for the acceptance and approval of one person. And his name is dad. And if we don't get it, stuff starts going haywire. And so when we talk about the possibility of the gospel, we're not talking about just some bigger version of your dad that you have to figure out how to negotiate. We're talking about a perfect version of your dad who will never leave you or forsake you, but who will in fact take you up. I loved how the psalmist said this in Psalm 27. It's really beautiful. You can see the fear and a little bit of the reality in the psalmist's voice when he says in verse seven, hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me, for my heart says of you, seek his face. And then I say, your face, O Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me and do not turn your servant away in anger. 
for you have been my helper, so do not reject me. Isn't that what a lot of us are saying in these relationships? Please don't reject me. And then he said of the Lord, and don't forsake me, O God, my Savior. I wonder if we could do an anonymous like graph on the screen and ask that question, do you feel rejected by these two significant people who brought you on earth, or do you feel forsaken by these two significant people? I wonder how many people would say very much so, or strongly, a lot, all the way down to not any. And even in that, look at what the psalmist comes around. He says in verse 10, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Even if my father and mother, I get a double whammy. I get fractured on both sides of the equation. I, I, I get issues from both sides of the formation equation. Even then, there's something that trumps that, and it's a new identity I have and a new relationship I have with a father who's perfect, who isn't going to reject me and isn't going to forsake me. And even if you do, he won't. And even if you do leave me, he actually, some of the translations say, he'll take me up. He'll pick me up. He'll receive me. He'll hold me into himself because he is a perfect father. The third big idea is this, that we can either reinforce what's been broken or we can be a part of reversing the curse and leaning into what can be. And we have a choice in this, and I wanna call us to that choice tonight. I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not an expert in anything that has to do with anything, really. But I am a human being, and I'm pretty well-versed in that. And what I've learned about life is when we have significant relationship issues with our mom or dad, it leaves us with deficits in our life. Oh, we may be trying to cover them up or do a song and dance, but there's stuff not working right on the inside. And a lot of times when we have deficits in our lives, what we tend to do is to lean and gravitate toward the negative story, which is the reason why I'm like this is because of them. Have I told you about my mom lately? Let me tell you about my mom. Goodness gracious, my mom is losing the plot. And here is the story, time after time after time. Oh my goodness, you're not gonna believe my mom. Why? Because my mom, what's going on with my mom? That's what's going on, have I not told you about my mom? And sometimes when we're carrying the deficit, we just default over to the negative story and we repeat that story over and over and over again. But listen to this. This is powerful. Jesus came to reverse every curse against our lives. He started with the curse of the law, Galatians 3.13. And everything that we were under because of a perfect standard we couldn't measure up to, he broke that curse. And the, the text says, because cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So he hung in the curse, died in the curse, became the curse for us. So the curse that was on our lives of the law that we can never measure up to was broken. And when he did that, all the curses started breaking off of our lives because of the truth of who Jesus is. And we got grafted into a new story with a new dad and a whole new possibility and a whole new future. So I'm still the son of Louis and Martha Jean, but I'm also the son of Almighty God. And frankly, Almighty God's got a little more power than Louis and Martha Jean. And that story's got a lot more possibility and potential than Louis and Martha Jean. So I take the best of these guys and boy, I got the best of both of them in me right here tonight, but it's not comparable to the best of God Almighty that I also have in me right now. So when I look at my deficit, I have two choices. I can reinforce this story, 
or I can reverse the curse and start leaning in to this possibility. And I can do one of two things. I can say, yeah, I know I'm not good at that, but that's because of my parents. Oh, I know I struggle in relationships, but that's because of my parents. I know I have anger issues, but that's because of my parents. I know that I blah, 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 but that's because of my parents. I know, I know, I know, but my parents, goodness gracious, my parents. Did I tell you about my parents? Can I tell you about my parents for a minute? And I know teenagers never talk about your parents, but a lot of us older people do, and we're kind of recounting the story to each other about our mom and dad because it's because of our mom and dad that all this stuff's going on. Instead of saying, I want to choose to reverse the curse that has come into my life intentionally or unintentionally by two human beings who may not have been everything God intended them to be. But I'm gonna lean toward what is possible and I'm gonna tell a new story. I'm not gonna keep telling the old story over and over and over. I'm gonna tell a new story. I am loved by God. I'm joined into God. I've got possibility in God. I don't have to be like that. I can be like that. Because as much as we say, I swear I will never be like them. That's what we're doing. We are creating a magnetic attraction that just draws us more and more to them. Oh, you, the adults know it's true. Can I get it? Can I just get a nod from the adults? I wouldn't amen either, but can I just get a nod? I'm not ever gonna be like her. And you're becoming day by day exactly like what you swear you're not gonna be like. You know why? Because every time you focus on not being like that, it pulls you to that. And we have power in Christ to reverse all that and to say, I'm not thinking about not being like that. I am thinking about being like Jesus. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about being like Jesus. And the reason why we don't do that, honestly, is because it's easier um, and no one will uh, amen or even nod at this. I wouldn't. It's easier to deflect from our shortcomings by defaulting to the people whose fault it is than it is to rise up into the possibility and the responsibility that we can be different people because we are a new creation. In Christ. And I'm not, I'm not knocking you getting help. I'm not knocking you having friends. I'm not knocking you telling people that you're struggling with your parents. But you have more power in Christ than you think you do. To shift your story if you want to. Now you're gonna have to throw away the crutches of the inadequacy and actually walk on the water with Jesus. And if you love oceans, and I know you do, <laughs> then you're gonna have to put some, some feet to it and walk on out on the water of becoming a son or daughter of God and becoming like Jesus is dreaming that you can be. And you're gonna have to leave behind the victim mentality. I'm a victim of my circumstance. I'm a victim of the relationships. I'm a victim of what my parents did. I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just saying you're not a victim. You are linked to the victor and you gotta trade the victim story for the victor story and walk in that. 
And so the last of these ideas is a really complex one, and it's not something we're going to work out in 20 minutes, okay? It's not really even a point in a talk. It's a series of talks. And so I'm, I'm not expecting us all to like snap our fingers and all this stuff gets worked out tonight. It's more complex than that. But I just want to leave us on this idea tonight that the power of the gospel is that we can be the reflection of the love of God to our parents, even if they are not the reflection of the love of God to us. We have a new identity we have a new father, a perfect father. We have the power to either reinforce or to reverse. And then we've got this incredible opportunity to show the world that the gospel is bigger than broken relationships with anybody, including our relationships with our mom and our dad. Ephesians is a gospel book. I wish we could kind of read the whole chapter to get up to this verse, but we can't. So just gonna jump in at chapter six, verse one. But just understand a lot of the power of Jesus working in our lives was in chapter one, two, three, four, and five. And then in chapter six, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That in the Lord's a great phrase. It helps you know that you don't have to do wacky stuff that your parents want you to do. And wacky is, is not um, cleaning your room and... Um, not parking the car in front of the garage so no one else can get out and other things like that. Honor your father and mother. I looked at this in the Greek and it, it just says father and mother. It doesn't say honor your father if he's a really, really awesome dude. It doesn't say honor your mother if she's the most honorable person you've ever known. It just says honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with a promise. So if you like something to be in it for you, you're gonna be happy here, and here's what's in it for you, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So there is a double possibility here that should light us up like crazy, a seed of hope that is planted in the ground right here and right now that could ultimately change our destiny. You know, this talk was not coming today. It's coming a couple weeks later. Whole nother talk was coming today. Woke up this morning, God said, this talk today. I was like, huh? That's cool. You know, we just said lift all weekend long, so that's cool audible to call right now, so I'll just go work on that in the next half hour. <laughs> but when I walked in this morning, I thought, who did God shift this for? I wondered if it was somebody who's never been in this building before and may never be in it again. And God is so leaning toward you that he shifted this day for you so that you could have these seeds of hope go on the ground and see the double possibility of something here that's absolutely crazy. And what is the crazy thing? That you could reflect what God has poured into your life, this whole new identity, into your parents' life, and that even if they are not honorable, you could still find some way to honor your father and honor your mother. And when you do that, it may not go well with them, but it is gonna go well with you because you need freedom from what's been hanging onto your life the whole time. Because you can say, you know what, I don't talk to my dad anymore, Louie. He, he lives in California, and I live in Atlanta, and I don't see him. We don't have contact, and he's not in my life, and blah, 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 blah. So I just don't have anything to do with my dad. And I'm saying, that's kind of weird, because you're telling me about your dad right now. So you got something to do with him. 
And you can build a wall and say, hey, there's a big separation between me and him, and, and, and the, the two don't meet. But guess what? The two do meet because he has a way of creeping into the process day by day by day, even from a long distance away. And the freedom that God's offering tonight is not freedom for him, it's freedom for you. So when you honor your father and honor your mother, we start coming under what that looks like. It goes well with you, and you live long on the earth. They may not live long on the earth, but you get a fullness of life on earth and you get free on earth. And the other thing that happens is the world looks up and goes, what in the world is going on? How did this happen? Because I'm telling you, the kids in your school don't care what you believe. They really don't. They don't give a rip out what you believe. Well, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus and I believe in a kingdom of God that's greater than anything we can see. And they're like, great, fine, awesome. People in Atlanta, Georgia don't care what we believe. People don't want to know what we believe. People want to see that the gospel has the power to restore things that are broken and to put things back together again that humanly can't be put back together again. And so if God can take a broken, fractured, formative relationship and can, through you, begin to reflect freedom in that relationship, I promise you people are going to stare at you and not be able to take their eyes off of you. They're going to want to know, how did you do that? And if you succeed in walking this out, they're, they're probably going to come to know Jesus. And they're going to go, I don't even know what it is. What do you have to believe? Who do you have to trust in? How do you put your faith in him? Because I want to know Jesus because whatever's making that happen, I need that in my life because I'm not able to relate right now. And I need to see the gospel working in somebody's life that's real. And so what does this look like? It, it, I just close with this. If you weren't here last week, we talked about how heaven spoken down about us. So if God looks at you in the mirror, what does God see? And we talked about he sees a, a few things. He, he sees someone that he loves. He sees someone that he's really thankful for. And I just put that in there because I think sometimes love's love, love is agape. It's a big, nice word about God. But God's actually likes you. He's glad you're alive. He's grateful that you're on the planet. He's thankful for you. We talked about how God thinks that we are a rare and beautiful treasure. That's what he sees when he sees you in the mirror. How when God sees you in the mirror, he says, I forgive you. When God sees you in the mirror, he says, you're here for a special purpose. When he sees you and me in the mirror, he says, hey, you need to know I'm gonna hold you to a high standard, okay? Why? Because you're born of God. So that's your standard. Kids in your dorm, kids in your hall, kids in your class, they don't have your standard. Their standard is, I do what I want. If you're like, I don't do what I want, because I'm a son of a perfect father who just happens to be the king of the universe. I'm a daughter of a perfect father who happens to be the king of the universe. And just like that royal baby, bless her heart, that just was born into the world, has a high standard to live up to. Think about the standard we have to live up to as the sons and daughters of God. But though the standard is high, I'm gonna give you mercy and grace in appropriate ways. In other words, I'm not a commandant, I'm a perfect father, and I know you're flesh and blood, and I know you're gonna stumble and fall. I, I don't want you to stumble and fall, but I know you already are, so when you do, I'm gonna come right beside you, pick you up, call you back up to the high standard, 
and in appropriate ways, I'm gonna give you mercy and grace because that's what I do. I'm not gonna just brush it off and say, oh, don't you worry about it, precious little daughter. You just keep on doing whatever you wanna do. He's not gonna do that, it's not appropriate. But in appropriate ways, he's gonna say, hey, I know you just fell flat on your face. I'm gonna pick you up and hold you up and I'm gonna tell you I love you and we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna keep moving forward. And he's going to look at you in the mirror every day and say, I believe in you. I believe in you and I'm cheering for you today. Come on. And so he said, if that's what's coming down, you know that's true, not when you believe it, but when you actually can say it. And so you can say, because of the cross of Jesus, this is important, not because you just think you're all that, but because of the cross of Jesus Christ, you can look in the mirror and say, guess what, uh, LG? I love you. I love me. Now, if you say I love me and you're not looking at the cross, that's a whole nother story for another day. But if you're looking at the cross, you should be able to say, I love me. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for me. I'm, I'm grateful for me. I'm glad I'm here today. Uh, I, thank you very much, am a rare and a beautiful treasure. Now, if you're not looking at the cross, that's gonna be weird when you walk into class and go, hello, everybody, I'm here, and I know you all appreciate that. <laughs> but if you're looking at the cross, of course you're gonna say I'm rare. It's only one of me, and you're gonna say I'm beautiful. I'm stamped in the image of God. God's beautiful. You're gonna say about you, looking at the cross, you're gonna say about you, I forgive you. And you're gonna quit saying, I know God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Because thank you very much, but that doesn't make God look very great. And so you humble yourself under the cross and say, if you say I'm forgiven, I say I'm forgiven. Louis, man, you're an idiot, but I forgive you. Because he forgives you. You are here for a special purpose. Uh, you're not just going to class, you're going to some heavenly assignment, thank you. You're not just going to a cubicle, you're going to an intersection of God's plans for you tomorrow. You're gonna say to yourself, I'm gonna hold you to a high standard. We need to raise our standards, people. But when you fall, which you probably will, I'm gonna extend mercy and grace to you, Louis, in appropriate ways, not inappropriate ways, no free rides, but I'm not gonna beat you up because somebody was already beaten up for you. I'm not gonna cut you because somebody was already cut for you. And I don't just believe it, I've received it. And Louis, I just want you to know, I'm gonna be cheering for you today. And I believe in you. It's really beautiful because then you walk out the door and you're like, you know, nobody believes in me. Nobody loves me. Nobody's cheering for me. I'm just out here. It's like, well, God's cheering for you and you're cheering for you. That's three people and that's four people. I mean, that's, I mean, some of you don't have four friends, you know? I mean, that's four people. Father, cheering. Son, cheering. Spirit, cheering. You're cheering. That's a good start. But some of you are drowning out Father, Son, and Spirit with your, I feel that. And you're like stuck with yourself. God bless you. You need to get free from yourself. You see, hear heaven. You got heaven coming down. 
So when you get heaven coming down, you can go, I agree with heaven. And then the power comes. Because everybody loves that. But the power comes when you say, man, if my mom and dad are jacked up, okay, it's a 99.9% chance that they have never tasted and seen the love and the mercy and the grace of God for their lives. Now you may miss that because you don't understand fully that your parents are people. But your parents had two people that brought them into the world and they needed more than anything to be in an incubator of the love and the acceptance of the mom and the dad that brought them into this world. And a lot of them didn't get it and still don't have it. And they're doing their best, a lot of them. But what, what they have is what they give. And who they become is what they reflect. And if your parents, and, and please understand, we're, we're not condoning we're not sweeping under the rug. We're, we're not glossing over. We're not whitewashing. We're not accepting. We're not just saying, oh, it doesn't matter. We're not doing any of that. that. That's another conversation for another day. We're just saying that if your parents are jacked up, hello, it's probably because their relationship with their parents is jacked up. And there may be a whole generation of jacked up people. But you are a new creation and you just got the upper hand. So they don't manipulate the story anymore. They don't have power over you anymore. They're not the determiners of how you feel about you and about how you feel about life because you got linked into a whole new story. And here's the power of the story. When you can look at your mom and dad say, Dad, I just need you to know that God really loves you. I just need you to know that God made you unique. He's, he's grateful for your life. And he thinks you're a rare and beautiful treasure. I need you to know that the price is paid. You're forgiven. You're here for a special purpose, Dad. You know, God sees the potential in you. He sees all the great upside of what you can be. And he's not too hard. He's, he's hard sometimes, but he's never so hard that he can't extend to you mercy and grace when you need it. And Dad, I don't know if you know this or not, but God believes in you and he's cheering for you. I know there may be some things for us to work out. Maybe we're not going to go to lunch anytime soon. Maybe we're not going to live in the same space. But I need you to know that I have seen this. And I need you to know, Dad, that I love you. I'm not condoning everything that's happened. I'm just telling you that I love you. I need you to know that I'm grateful for you. I had to think about it. But I found one thing, without you, I'm not here. And without you, I don't, 
even know Jesus because I'm not alive and I love being alive and I love knowing Jesus. So thank you for bringing me into the world. Dad, I need you to know that I think you're a rare and beautiful treasure. Somewhere deep down in all there, it's under there, I'm sure. I need you to know, Dad, that I forgive you. Because I got forgiven when I was a mess. So I forgive you. That I believe there's great things for you in this world. I'm gonna call you up to it. But you just need to know that your son believes in you, is cheering for you, that you'll find the fullness that God has for you, that you'll believe that you are a somebody, that you will know how prized you are by God, and that you will know that you've always got me in your corner. Now, there may be things, yes, that we gotta work out. There may be things that we have to work through. There may be things that we have to have you know, time and space and all those kinds of things, but that's not stopping me from being over here cheering for you over there. I'm gonna cheer for you today. I'm not gonna hate you today. I'm gonna cheer for you today. I'm gonna say, dear God, I'm cheering for my dad today. I am believing for my dad today. I am praying and hoping for my dad today. I got faith over my dad today and what I never got coming this way but was fractured all the way. I did get fully this way. And now here's the power of the gospel. I get to reflect what came down from heaven to me. And then what I saw was true about me. I got to reflect that to the two people who were the most formative people in my life. And even if they're not physically here, I can still speak over their lives. I can find something to be thankful for. I can find some way to honor. I can find some way to reflect the love and the goodness and the forgiveness and the hope and the belief of God. I'm not the victim. I'm the victor. You're the victim right now. And I'm going to bring the love of God up the family tree that never came down the family tree because Jesus is alive from the dead. And the gospel is powerful to transform everything that has been broken in this world.